are there too many Americans taking up roster spots in the Canadian Football League? Do you find that insulting? No. Uh, yeah, honestly, I think... Championship weekend in the National Football League as we welcome you to this 447th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Luke with you. We've got a special guest that we'll uh, bring into the show a little bit later on, but it's funny, I had a brain fart and almost called this Sports Overnight America with Mike Jansen from 25 years ago. So um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's been minus 40 degrees up here. I think we've, I think all of our brains have frozen over the last week, but obviously we've got a ton of things to talk about and we'll get to a lot of them. The biggest topic this week, unfortunately, I don't even think, I don't even think the championship weekend has been able to overcome this baseball stuff going on, the comings and the goings and the firings and, and but we'll get to baseball as much as as much as Chris and I don't really like the game of baseball. Well, we're only 30 days from pitchers and catchers reporting <laughs> to spring training, but uh, we've got to talk about it because oh, this, we're has been, talk about it. this has been this has been alter, this has been uh, sports altering news this week wow. in regard to what's going on in baseball. But I think Chris and I are going to need more than 15 minutes to talk about it. <laughs> yep. So we're definitely going to move that to a different episode this week. Let's talk about quickly about the National Football League. There was another coaching hire this week in the National Football League. We'll quickly talk about that. There was a Tom Brady sighting, if you will, and I'll certainly talk about that. And then I want to introduce our special guest, which we were very proud and privileged to be able to speak with. Uh, CFL free agent kicker Zach Medeiros joined us here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris earlier this week. We'll have that interview as part of episode number 447. It was a wide range of topics that we covered, and uh, I'm very interested to have you folks listen to Chris and my chat with Zach Medeiros, who last year kicked for the Toronto Argonauts, and right now is uh, a, officially a free agent, and that status uh, on Valentine's Day, February 14th, is when he begins looking for another opportunity as a kicker in the CFL, but uh, a very good wide-ranging interview with Zach Medeiros that you will hear later on in this episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. But to the topic at, at hand right now, championship weekend in the National Football League. First game on Sunday is the AFC Championship game. The Tennessee Titans, who have been on a hell of a roll, folks, they visit Kansas City uh, in America's heartland. I always love saying that for some reason. Kansas City comes in as seven-point favorites. Of course, the the nightcap, the rematch of the ass-kicking from back in November. The Green Bay Packers go west to take on the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara. The Niners come in as seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I'll ask for Chris to give us a little analysis on both of those games. Here's my analysis. Tennessee is playing well. Kansas City took them a while to wake up last week against Houston. Also, as I mentioned in last week's episodes, Kansas City has had a bit of a checkered past playing home games 
in the playoffs since they built Arrowhead in 1972. And for that reason, because of Derrick Henry and the momentum that Tennessee has, and they're playing good football right now, they're playing good defensively, you've got to have one wild card pick. And my wild card pick this week is for the Tennessee Titans to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. In the NFC game, it's not even that close. Green Bay can talk a lot of stuff. I got my Packer hat on today. It's been a privilege to win 14 games this year, but we don't have the horses right now to compete with the San Francisco 49ers in their own barn. Green Bay, if they haven't figured out their whole ability with their offense yet in soon-to-be game 18 of this season, they aren't going to pick it up against that goddamn defense out there in San Francisco. I have the San Francisco 49ers winning this game. I don't even know if I'm picking the Packers with the points. All I know right now is my Super Bowl 54 pick is the Tennessee Titans and the San Francisco 49ers in two weeks down in Miami FLA. Tough to disagree with that, to be honest. I am all over the Titans here too. They've Not only do they have the momentum, but the momentum of people that are starting to see what's going on here, this might be something special happening, something memorable, that is starting to pick up steam as well. You're starting to see pip people not only pick Tennessee with the points, but pick it outright. I'm starting to even see analysts who generally play it safe start to do that. Even Skip Bayless, which makes me sad that he even did that. Mattress, uh, what's his name? Mattress Mike or whatever his name is. The, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, the guy who bet like a million bucks on the Astros. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know his name. Mattress, whatever. I know who, yeah. I know yeah, who the Mattress about. guy. He's uh, going to bet a million dollars on the Titans' money line oh. to win, which, uh, you know, so it, it's scary. He's getting plus 300. So bet a million, win three million. So, hey, why not? But anyway, if you got the money, of course. Well, yeah. Always, it, why not? But yeah, right. But, it's nice to have disposable income lying around. For sure. Uh, the Chiefs weren't that great at home this year. Andy Reid is fantastic, good man. He can never seem to win the big one, as they say. And the Titans are just they're just putting it all together right now. And it's a really neat thing to see. It's a really neat story. Love them this weekend. I honestly don't have a feel for the Packers Niners game at all. I just it's I was so burned by if the if the Packers would have beaten them last time, uh, we Greg and I would have won a lot of money, which would have been really nice. And they didn't, and that was extremely disappointing. They didn't even show up. They didn't even make it exciting for us. It was just a complete ass-kicking from start to finish. Barely sat down, and they're losing. And uh, I have to imagine they're going to do better than that. I don't think it's going to be a complete 30-point blowout again. I'd no. probably take the Niners outright, and the Packers plus 7.5 is probably what I'd do if we were doing our regular season picks here. But I really don't have a feel for Honestly, nothing would surprise me. I could see the Packers showing up this time. This is a revenge game in a big way. The Niners have all the pressure on them. Nobody's expecting the Packers to win because of what happened last time. And so I just, I don't have a feel for it at all uh, in this in this one. But the, the fun story is the Tennessee Titans. It's even inspired my wife to not only become a Tennessee Titans fan, but she wants to place her first real sports bet forever. She's literally opening up an account. Nice. So she can bet $50. Way to go, Martina. Yeah. <laughs> to bet $50 on the Titans money line. That's what's happening in my household. So yeah, it'll be great this weekend, but I'm just excited that no matter who wins both games, there's no annoying, stupid teams that piss you off right. that can be in the Super Bowl. You can just relax and enjoy the Super Bowl. I do have to share this with everybody, especially you. Um, I have a very dear friend that lives in Kelowna, British Columbia, who happens to be a avid San Francisco 49er fan. And after last week's uh, win, the Packers' 28-23 to win over Seattle, 
this guy I used to consider a friend sends me a little blurb and a text. And wow. then all it does was it showed me, this was right after the game. This was as Aaron Rodgers was shaking hands with the quarterback of Seattle, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. This, he sends me this text and all it says on the text is not high, not screw you, not nothing. It just says San Francisco 37, Green Bay eight. Okay. Time I to have make to, a bet. Time I, to make a bet. I, no, huh? Time to make a bet with him. And no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But here was my smart-ass response. I have to share this with everybody. With all of the accumulated high draft picks that the San Francisco 49ers have secured over the years reflecting their shitty play, you should have a pretty good team, which you do. Your team will be heavily favored and should win in their home barn. But that's why they play the games. But we were a recent 49er like 6-9-1 last season, and 52 weeks later, we're in the NFC Championship game against your beloved San Francisco 49ers. The Packers are playing with house money. Think about it this way. What is the bigger, sto- what is the bigger story next Sunday night? The Packers win or the 49ers lose to a team that they beat by over 30 points back in November? Have a good week. And I always remember as well Aaron Rodgers getting drafted. What do you think about, you know, when he's getting interviewed? What do you think about the Niners passing on you? You know, I think they're going to regret it, and uh, well, and maybe they will this weekend. You know what? The Packers, you know, the Packers are not going to get blown out by 31 again. They're not going to win the football game. They have to play a perfect game, and they don't have enough weapons to really make a big, size, sizable dent in that 49er defense. This is as healthy as the 49ers have been pretty much all year. Everybody's eligible to play. There's not one guy on the 49ers injury list right now. They are as deep and as talented as a team as there is. Yes, there have been some red flags in the second half of the season, especially after the Green Bay game where they really went, really got, uh, were lucky to beat Arizona, um, lost to Atlanta at home. Um, there have been some, you know, certainly some clinks or chinks or whatever in the armor, if you will. But uh, I think the 49ers smell blood. This will be their first Super Bowl since uh, they lost to Baltimore back in 2012. Um, I just think that the odds are stacked against the Packers. Yes, the Packers can go back and look at film and try to make adjustments. But between now and tomorrow afternoon's kickoff, you can't find a second wide receiver. You can't find another tight end to take care of Jimmy Graham and get him out of the lineup. We just don't have enough. And remember, folks, this was supposed to be a rebuild. I'm not making excuses, but this was supposed to be a rebuilding year in Green Bay. And to do what they did is really remarkable. And if Brian Gutekunst can add a few more pieces in the offseason, I think that you're going to see a lot of 49ers Packers as the rivalry in the NFC for a couple years to come while these great... You know, you've got one Lafleur brother on one side and one Lafleur brother on the other side, and yada yada. And there's the connection between Shanahan and and uh, Matt Lafleur and all this other stuff. But if we can get a few more talented pieces offensively, Green Bay can compete. But I don't think it's tomorrow. I just, I'm being honest. No, that's fair. But they won't have any excuses because to be at this point of the year and have basically no injury report is unbelievable. That's yeah. incredibly fortunate for them although they were incredibly healthy when they faced San Fran the last time and San Fran was banged up and San Fran yeah, still killed but them. but you also knew and I think you saw the game I saw the first quarter before I knew it was over but we only had our right tackle Brian and I'm not making excuses but Balaga only played nine snaps. That is big. That and is big. 
there was no way in hell that this guy by the name of Alex Light could come in and handle Bosa one-on-one. Yeah. And that was the beginning of the end. Sure. When when you had no protection from the right side, Aaron Rodgers was sitting there like a dead duck. And obviously that reflected in a 38-9 to score, whatever the hell it was. It doesn't, 39-8, whatever it was, doesn't matter. Um, yes, the Packers are healthy. Yes, the 49ers are healthy. But right now, the 49ers have better healthy bodies than better healthy bodies than we do right now. Quickly, before we get to this interview with Zach Medeiros, I really want you folks to hear that. A couple other quick NFL notes. Cleveland finally has a new coach. I don't know whether to send congratulations or condolences to Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski as he steps into what I think is the toughest coaching job of all professional sports, the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. I think that has got to be one of the most difficult jobs in all of professional sports because you're dealing with two idiots as owners. You're dealing with some real upheaval in the front office. You've got a lot of prima donna assholes on your roster, and your quarterback is Baker Mayfield. So congratulations to Coach Stefanski, I think. His dad actually is the president of basketball operations for the Detroit Pistons, Ed Stefanski. But I have a quick question for you. Besides the Cleveland job, what are or what is the toughest coaching job in all sports besides the Cleveland job? And I have one right off the top of my head, but if you have one off the right off the top of your head, I want to hear it right now. Well, the one that's always going to jump out is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs Correct. coaching job, of course, because of the extreme microscope there. In the future, though, the one that easily jumps off the page at me is going to be whoever has to succeed Bill Belichick in New England. Nice. Have a nice fucking day. Nice. I think one of the toughest jobs in all of coaching has to be the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, yeah, that too. That too, because yeah. you're a, you are obviously one of the flagship stations, franchises, excuse me, of the National Hockey League. Um, you've won 24 uh, Stanley Cup championships, haven't won one since 1993. So I think it's got to be unbelievably difficult to be the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens and your general manager is a moron. I think it's very difficult. I think Chris just came up about wonderful one as the sometime heir apparent to uh, Bill Belichick in New England. I don't think Mike McCarthy realizes quite yet because there's still a honeymoon period going on, but I don't think he realizes how difficult it's going to be to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's going to be difficult dealing with Jerry and his two idiot sons. But um, I still truly believe that right now the toughest job in professional sports might be trying to resurrect the Cleveland Browns organization. They yeah. haven't since the second coming of the Browns in 1999. They've been to the playoffs one time. Wow. With a backup quarterback by the name of Kelly Holcomb, and they haven't been even, they haven't even sniffed it since. Amazing. I think that uh, if Kevin Stefanski can get this group to eight and eight or nine and seven next year, I think he's coach of the year right now. I don't think he's going to do that. No, I don't either. That's why I'm saying if he could do uh, that, he's coach of the year sure, right now. Sure. Some people. The guy some people refer to as Kevin Run Run Pass Stefanski. Uh, I don't think he's the right choice there. The runner-up was Robert Sella, who our buddy Greg absolutely despises, but I think he would have been a better choice than Kevin Stefanski. And I just I don't like this hire. I don't get the whole John Dorsey thing out, out the door already. I don't get anything about this franchise. I'm just happy that I said that this team wouldn't make the playoffs. I think I said they'd get around six or seven wins, and that's exactly what they did. And uh, I'm just I'm just happy about that. Any head coaching job in the city of Philadelphia has got to be difficult. Oh, With yeah. those fans? Sure. Oh, my God. 
real quick. I want to get to this interview with Zach Medeiros, but I do want to make one mention real quick. The the pegs are starting to kind of figure themselves out a little bit. Brady and Giselle, Tom Brady, sell their big Boston mansion, okay? <laughs> now, I'm just throwing stuff out here because that's what talk show hosts do, folks. They throw shit out there, and this is what I'm doing right here. Antonio Gates officially retired this week after 100 years as the tight end for the San Diego, Tijuana City, and Los Angeles Chargers. I think borderline Hall of Famer. I don't know. Borderline. I'm not saying he's in, but borderline Hall of Famer because he's done a lot of good things as a tight end, considering he was a basketball player, first and foremost. But now retired L.A. Chargers tight end Antonio Gates has heard the Tom Brady to L.A. Chargers rumors. And here is what he had to say. I quote, I heard that he might come out here and bless us with his presence. And if he does that, it would be a great sight to see in L.A., end quote. Not enough to make Gates reconsider his retirement plans, but I have a question. If the Chargers are looking to re-sign an, old, an older, still serviceable NFL quarterback, why don't they just re-sign the one they've already got, 39-year-old Phillip Rivers? Absolutely. I don't quite understand this. And I get the infatuation with Tom Brady because of the six Super Bowl rings and yada, yada, yada. But I think Chris and I have made our point painfully clear that if Tom Brady suits up next year in the National Football League for what will be, will be his 21st NFL season, it will be for the New England Patriots and nobody else. Yeah, and definitely not behind that O-line in oh. Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, forget it. Give me a break. We were, uh, earlier this week, we were graciously joined by a free agent CFL kicker by the name of Zach Medeiros. Zach Medeiros uh, was on the winning Grey Cup team in 2016 for the Ottawa Red Blacks. And uh, he is now, since his contract was not picked up at the end of the year by the Toronto Argonauts in the Canadian Football League, he is out looking uh, for his next line of work. And he was gracious enough to come on to Unscripted with Mike and Chris. And uh, with the uh, approval of the boss, I want you folks to hear this interview. I think we did a good job, and uh, it was an honor to have Zach on the program. We hit him with some good questions. He came up back with us with some really good responses, and I think it's it was, well, I'll say this much. I wanted to do an, out, an outtake of the interview saying, as I mentioned earlier, Mike Jansen on Sports Overnight America, that was my radio show 25 years ago. So that tells me that we did a good job on this interview. I hope you enjoy it. And here is our recent sit-down, via the phone line, of course, with CFL free agent kicker Zach Medeiros, joined us from his home in St. Thomas, Ontario. Please enjoy. Unscripted. And welcome back, uh, Mike and Chris, with you on this edition of uh, Unscripted with, well, obviously, the two of us. We're trying to, I guess the word is, expand our boundaries as we turn the calendar to a new, a new year a new decade, a whole bunch of new things. Hopefully for me, a new career. I should know by Monday afternoon, so I'm quite excited about it. But uh, having said that, uh, we are very honored to bring a guest into this edition of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. This young man was originally drafted 48th by the Edmonton Eskimos, which in Canadian draft, that's round six of the CFL's 2014 draft, originally from St. Thomas, Ontario and played collegiately at Western. And uh, I've got to say, before I introduce our guest, my wife actually saw a picture of this guest when I was prepping 
for this interview. And my wife says that this young man should forget about broadcasting, should forget about football. He should get into male modeling. So I got to tell you, Zach, I want to thank you for that around my house. But uh, I am uh, very pleased and honored to welcome Zach Medeiros, uh, CFL kicker right now. Uh, Originally, again, as I mentioned, was uh, drafted by Edmonton, has spent time with the Toronto Argonauts, also won a Grey Cup as the kicker in 2016 for the Ottawa Red Blacks. We welcome into the program Zach Medeiros. Zach, thank you very much for joining us. And how are things today for you out there in in Ontario? Are you well, I hope? What an intro that was. Yeah, no, uh, things are going pretty well, guys. Thanks for having me. We have currently received our first heavy snowfall of the year. I, my car was able to survive it, so I have a 2015 Ford Focus. And my winter tires are probably on its last limb. I'd say it's probably the last season of winter that they're, they're probably going to last for. So, I mean, we'll see how they hold up. But uh, other than that, things are going well. Happy uh, to be doing your uh, guys' show. Well, thank you very much for taking time out. Um, I've got a lot of things to talk about. Chris wants to hit you with a couple of XFL questions, which is apropos with the XFL starting in about three weeks. And obviously that'll give an opportunity with a lot of football players to get that one last chance, one last kick at the can. But I'm going to spend a lot of time concentrating on your CFL career with some questions. And and I want to start with that Grey Cup championship in 2016 as a member of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Congratulations. That team uh, beat, at that time, a team that came into that game with a 17-2 and record, the Calgary Stampeders, and you guys beat them 39-33. to But I want to ask this, and, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people in my career, but I've never interviewed a kicker. So this is why this is so intriguing to me. And what I want to ask and what, what I want to start out with this is you're lining up a game-winning kick, okay? It's the, you've got the whole stadium on your shoulders. What's going through a kicker's mind as you're getting ready to see the snap come back, the, the ball gets held down. What's going through a kicker like Zach Medeiros' mind as you're getting ready to kick a potential game-winning field goal? Ooh, okay, well, it goes through my mind. I feel like every kicker is different, but uh, since we're on the, you know, talking about kicking, it's different because our pit position is so tedious and it's the same re- repetitive movement over and over again, right? Most during practice or the offseason, snap, hold, kick. That's all we know, right? So mm-hmm. the majority of the time, especially going into a game, I honestly, I, I can say this honest, I don't really think about much. Uh, I, I think on the sideline, I, I probably think more about it in, in terms of the elements going on. Obviously, you know, I, I don't let it, you know, try to affect my psyche too much with, you know, the situation in the game, whether it's a high-pressure kick, a game winner, a game tire. It's early on in the game, whatever. You have to treat every kick like the, you know, it's the, the uh, exact same, whether it's a, a chip shot field goal or a 50-yard field goal. So I think, honestly, by when, it, when, when my name's called upon and I, I step on the field uh, with my lock snapper and holder and I'm on there with my, with my unit, I, th- I really don't think about anything. I just line up what I've been practicing over the years, which, you know, I've had a 1,000 reps doing, three back, two across. Um, I check my landmark beyond the upright. And then put my head down, that's my uh, technique, and then the work I, I put in for the years, and hopefully it goes through. If you are just joining us, we thank you for doing so, and we are joined by the free agent, let's just call him a free agent kicker, a CFL veteran, and a winner of a Grey Cup. Zach Medeiros joins us from 
Ontario and and Zach I there's a lot of uh noise this week in in uh, sports in general and a lot of it is about leadership um this week Kyrie Irving we're not going to talk about Kyrie Irving we're not going to talk about basketball but his name has come up in regard to leadership and his potential lack of leadership as the highest paid player on the Brooklyn Nets roster right now. Um, He's come under some scrutiny for some of his comments, and he's had to backtrack this week, but I don't care about that. What I care about is learning from a professional athlete, and since I've got a professional athlete on the line, I'm going to ask this. In your mind, Zach, what makes a good leader? And if you can give us some examples of some good leaders that uh, were prevalent in your career, whether it be at the collegiate level or the professional level. So it's kind of a two, a two-tiered question. What do you believe makes a good leader? And can you give us some examples of some good leaders that you had during and your ongoing sports career? Yeah, no doubt. There's a lot of guys, especially Western. You know, I ran Greg Marshall, Will Finch was my QB there at the time. Um, I've been blessed to be around a lot of great leaders especially at the CSL level, whether it's vocal, whether the guy's more more vocal than he is, you know, just more more of a quiet leader and just practice what he, what he preaches. You know, I've been around, you know, guys like Henry Burris, Hall of Famer, Ricky Ray, Hall of Famer, especially being around the Argos organization. You know, we have Pinball there more than half the time. Um, he's in our meetings. He's always at every home game. Uh, Damon Allen is also a guest speaker. He comes out to practice and talks to us as well. So I have a good crop of guys that can bring up who have been there, done that. Definitely give me a lot of insight with my career. Just guys during practice that I can kind of just touch base with, you know, if things are going well or, you know, even things aren't going well. You know, I, I, I kind of use them, right? And when we're most guys who just kind of, you know, say, you know, it's, it's cool that they're there, they're saying by the side. But sometimes I like to go up to kind of pick their brain and go, hey, like, what would you do in this, you know, situation or, you know, like, the past two years of the Argos, we've been, you know, we've only had four wins. So, like, I asked him, hey, how would you guys feel this adversity if you've ever been through it kind of thing? But the one thing I can take from each and every guy, a guy I've been to, he's very vocal, very vocal leader, but very passionate about what he does. Again, but every guy practices what they preach. And a guy like him, a guy like Ray, a guy like Henry Burris, they weren't always the loudest guys in the room, but they're always the hardest workers. They're always the first guys to show up in the morning and the last ones to leave. Uh, I guess that you make that case for any quarterback, but especially them, they really stay true to that and they practice what they preach. And even you uh, brought that, that, that great cup championship. And that was my, my first year that I actually broke into the CFL and that kind of established my, myself as a pro punter. Um, and just being around Hank, he was only a couple of locker cells that down from my row and just seeing his work ethic day in day out. And keep in mind at this time, he's 41 years old and he was still, he looked like he was 25. He, his, his shape was, he was in phenomenal shape for his age. You guys remember our uh, time that year, our, I think our record was 7-9-1. So this is a roller coaster year. We did win the East Division, sorry there. But, you know, again, it was a roller coaster ride. And he was able to maintain this even keel attitude the entire way through. And, you know, where guys like me, again, my first year, it was an up and down year. And, you know, sometimes when the lows had the real low, it was it was tough to keep that even keel attitude and, and to stay positive about things. But he found a way, and even when there, there there's times where the you know the the QB carousel was going on, and it was you know between him and Harris, we had the hot hand was going to start that game. He still found a way to find you know find positivity of every aspect of that that season 
and same thing with Ray. I mean, you look at Ray Ballard through his injuries. Very quiet guy, but again, practice what he preached. He was the hardest worker on the team. First guy to show up, last one to leave. And that, that shows a lot to your team. You know, when a guy's working that hard, um, it kind of trickles down to younger guys like me and who want to work harder for that guy. Right? So I, that's something I, I can kind of take from them. And I'm very grateful that um, throughout my seven-year career that I've been able to share my time with some of the best pros and future Hall of Famers as well. Hey, Zach, as a, as a quick follow-up to the leadership question, and you see this a lot in sports. I read about it this week as the Green Bay Packers prepare to take on the San Francisco 49ers. They had a players-only meeting after uh, San Francisco knocked the crap out of them back in November. When you have good leadership on a team, do those players-only meetings work, or is that just a bunch of hot air with a bunch of egomaniacs? Do those things actually work? Is there... Is there a place for them in the modern locker room these days, these players-only meetings? I think so. I, um, I think we have a leader like Aaron Rodgers, especially him calling the meeting and wildly of these like that. I think it means a lot. Um, it shows that, again, I think that that game, they got walked, what, 37 to 8? And that's just unacceptable for a team that won 13 games this season. So I think when a guy, with the resume he has, the success he's had in the NFL, calling a meeting like that, you're going to listen. Right, that's the most important guy in the locker room. He takes it upon himself, and you gotta remember, he's gonna be taking a lot of the scrutiny for a loss like that because right. he is the QB, and people do expect him to win. And he's one of the more popular names in the NFL, right? So he's gonna take that to heart. Um, I don't think he's, he's doing it for his own name because he thinks it's being tarnished, but it's because he generally cares about the team and he knows what that team's capable of. And that's kind of the same case with us with Henry Burr, Hank at the helm, and our roller coaster year. They weren't, he didn't call upon team meetings or anything like that, but, you know, whether it was a halftime speech um, or after the game, he, you know, normally he'd give a speech and tell us, hey, we need to do certain things. We need to make certain adjustments going forward because he knew what we were capable of. And, I, you know, again, at times where it was low to low, maybe some, you know, even for guys like myself, we, we didn't lack a bit of confidence at times. And he really helped at points get the, me, help me get, get the best every ounce of my, myself to help the team going forward. So I think, there is a time and place for them. I think if you do it too often, it is a bit overkill. But definitely after a loss like that, after the season they've had, I think there's definitely a place for that. Hey, Zach. Uh, this is Chris. And thanks for joining us here. And uh, I wanted to ask you about the XFL. I wanted to ask, what's the perception among players in the CFL and any other football players you know about the XFL? Because there's you know lots of reports about people kind of down on it because, you know, the AAF didn't even get through one season. The original XFL in 2001 uh, was kind of a gong show, especially by the end. Uh, there's been lots of reports people are unhappy about the pay. Uh, and then just, you know, Vince McMahon's association with that. What are you seeing with your teammates and other people around the league that you know with guys? Is there a good attitude about the XFL? Are they excited about the XFL? Is there optimism about the XFL? What are you hearing uh, with your ear to the ground there? Well, I think it, it, this is going to probably pertain more towards the uh, American guys. Since the, you know, a lot of them are, are looking towards the XFL and hoping to regain that dream of one day again playing in, in the NFL. And they can obviously do that through the CFL as well. But I think with the XFL, I'll be honest, I don't know too much about it, but what I do know compared to the AAF and the XFL the first time around is that the TV deal is much different. Uh, it's more more spread out where ESPN, ABC, Fox, and the FS1 are going to be covering every game, multi-year deal. 
And they also got a lot more creative, I think, which is going to help. And I think where the AF went wrong is that they, they try to keep everything the same with the NFL, which is going to be tough to do. But again, it is a pro league, and there are a lot of free agents out there, which I think is good because it's going to help those guys get off the couch and actually earn some money because there's so many free agents in the USA. But I think with a league like this, obviously it's going to be competing with the NFL. So it has to have a bit, of a, a bit more fight to it, a bit more creativity, um, especially since, you know, even though the NFL is not going on, you still have college basketball going on during, during the Pride Month. So TV ratings, they're going to suffer just a little bit keeping up with them. But some of those I look at that are very interesting are now it's going to be a 25-second play clock, right, to keep the game flowing. Speakers are going to be in each player's helmet on the field uh, to minimize the need for huddles. The one I think is actually really cool is the two-point conversion uh, shootout in, in uh, overtime. That was really cool. And there's also options for a one, two, and three-point play after a touchdown. So I think, and again, it's not too much, but just getting creative enough, the little ideas like that are going to draw in more interest, right, and draw in more revenue. And guys, even for like, even for myself to watch this, because I'm very curious to what the NFL is going to bring. Is it going to last more than a year? We'll see. But based off of what Vince McMahon's investing in this league, over $500 million, supposedly it's supposed to keep things afloat for the next three, four years, just based off that financial investment alone. So we'll see. But uh, I think the rule, I think right now they've had enough time to learn from the AAF. Um, and the, the return of XFL has already been in the works for the past four or five years, right? So it's not like they, they just thought of all this in one year. They're thinking, hey, well, you know what, Let, let's just throw all this in one year and see what happens. They've had more than enough time to think things over, how they're going to keep things afloat, and how, they, yeah, how they're going to keep this league sustainable for other free agents for a long period of time to come. Because, again, the NFL and CFL, yes, they're, they're great leagues, and it helps guide free agents you know, being able to latch on to, to, to teams. But if you had another league in there, it's definitely going to help more because, again, uh, free agents down south, they're, they're a dime a dozen. And there's hundreds of thousands of them out there. So it'll be interesting to see. Time will tell. Yeah, I'm really interested in those rule changes you mentioned, and they do need to separate themselves, unlike the AAF, for sure. I love those things you mentioned. Also, I would also say the kickoffs, I like what they've proposed there, as well as multiple forward passes uh, on the same play, which will be very, very interesting for creative offensive minds. Uh, The last thing I wanted to ask you was a follow-up about that, which was with the XFL, we've seen... Uh, Chad Ochocinco Johnson wants to be a kicker. We've seen PFT commenter from Pardon My Take, the podcast. He He's trying out as a kicker. And then there was even in the NFL, they're looking at potentially some female kickers, which is great. But I mean, in terms of people that are not professional kickers, uh, at least not with your type of a pedigree there, what are your thoughts on this new thing where other people are just it seems like everybody can just be a kicker. Kicking's easy. Like you don't you don't need to know anything. You can just go be a kicker. Anyone can do it. What are your thoughts on that? Do you find that insulting? No, I don't find it insulting at all. I mean, if they feel up to the challenge, why not? Right? Uh, especially in, I believe Chad Johnson is going to the Houston franchise, which actually a good friend of mine, which you guys may know the name, Sergio Kickasio. He's BC Lions kicker this past season. Um, I I played with him when I was in Ottawa. Right, and got to know him all. He actually just got signed to Houston, so I think going into the year, he's going to be their primary kicker. But I think just from a, a media standpoint, it's, it's important to have a guy like Chad Johnson. You know, even if you bring him in for two, three days, just just as a trial. And again, don't don't forget that this guy also stepped out of the field at one point in time. This is dating back well more than ten years ago, but he kicked 
two or three extra points in a game, and I assume this guy hadn't kicked a ball prior to that time for years. And he didn't look out of his place, right? So, and on top of that, he also had a soccer tryout. I think, who was that with? It was it Kansas City? One of their MLS franchises. He, he tried out for them. I don't know how long that was. Um, I think it was you know, a week or two, whatever the case was. But in either way, it shows that, you know, that this guy's an athlete. So he's able to showcase that. And he does have some sort of background kicking the ball. So why not have him go out there for a few days kicking the football? Again, it's only going to look good for the league having names like that. So I, I, I say why not? If you are just joining us, we thank you for doing so. And we are graciously being joined on this edition of Unscripted with Mike and Chris with free agent CFL kicker Zach Medeiros. He's joining us via the telephone, obviously, from southern Ontario. And Zach, I've heard this from professional athletes before, so since I'm speaking with one right now, I will ask this. As an athlete, which is, and this may sound like a silly question, but it's really, some of the answers I used to get with this were just phenomenal. But which is harder for an athlete to prepare for, games or practices? Uh, well, there's no immediate answer there, so I guess it's not that silly of a question. It's not that silly, no. You know what, for me, I think, I would say at the start of my career, I would say games because I was nervous. Right. I was definitely nervous at that time. I was still trying to, especially when I got drafted to Edmonton, I was trying to establish my name. I wanted so badly to just break in and win the job. Uh, I didn't really enjoy everything going on around me. I didn't really take everything in, right? And I think as time went along, especially when I got to Ottawa, the way that practices were structured up there, which I liked, was you only got 10 reps per practice. And the coach, Coach Bob Dice, which is one of my favorite coaches ever, one of my favorite humans ever, he put so much pressure, but it helped me. He put a lot of pressure on the location of punt, depth. Um, the get-off time, things like that. So, And he always had a stopwatch on him for the operation time. So I remember when I first got there, I had to shave off almost half a second on my operation time, which took a long time to do. And by the time I got in the games, I thought it was going to be worse, but I, I found myself actually going faster because I always had that in the, in the back of my head. I'm like, you know, I need to get the stopwatch. It just flowed so much more smoothly than it did in practice. And in practice, he really harped on, on the idea, hey, catch, when you need catch it, you have to speed it up. You have to be in motion, blah, blah, blah. And in the game, it just felt so natural. It was a comfort feeling that, you know what, again, it's the same thing as kicking. I didn't really think about it. I just yep. went out there, caught the ball. Um, the way I viewed it is I, I catch it, frame it, and then I, and then I punt it. And I guide down my foot, and I, I watch it lead my foot. And in games, I felt like I was slowing everything down. So I'm like, oh, no, this is going to look so slow on film. The next thing when we watch it, he's going to call me out for this, saying I went too slow. But it actually went faster because I was so used to going so fast in practice that it slowed things down for me during the game. So I think over time, I would say practice is actually more stressful to me than games were. <laughs> oh, good question, Mike. I, well, I appreciate that. And I need your honesty here, Zach, as we have a few more minutes with our special guest here on Scripted. And this is coming from an American. I need your honesty here, Zach, because this is an American asking you this question, even though I've lived in this great country now for almost 24 years. But this, and I will share my opinion with you after I hear yours. But are there too many Americans taking up roster spots in the Canadian Football League, taking jobs and roster spots away from qualified Canadian football players, considering it's the Canadian Football League? Or, kind of a two-part question, do they need some American players with maybe some name recognition 
that can sell the game in the States? What do you think? Oh. Uh, yeah, honestly, I think we have the right amount of Americans in this league, and same thing with Canadians as well. And on top of that, you do need those, those marketing names, not just from the American standpoint, but from the Canadian standpoint. I think having a few hometown guys on the team definitely helps. Definitely helps generate more more fans, more attention for that fan base and franchise. Mm-hmm. And that sound, you know, you look at a team like Winnipeg right now with Andrew Harris and him coming back to Winnipeg. How huge has that been for the team? Correct. Right. Right. And you look even in Ottawa, even though he's not from there, but Brad Sinopoli, he'd be another big name since he went to school in University of Ottawa in Ottawa, obviously. And then he's, you know, he started off in Calgary, and then he came. Got traded to Ottawa, and again, absolutely, again, generating more fans, right, more attention there, and it's been great for the team. I think they have the right amount. I don't think I don't think it's, it's overwhelming, to be honest. Again, yeah, I, I think I don't I don't really see the other side of it. I, I you know, again, and even with the American names, right? You know, Chad Johnson was in there at some point too. You have guys like Simone Lawrence, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, you name it. But you know, the QBs. Yeah, I, I think they, they have it perfect up between the 20 or 22 players there i don't know the the exact number that you need for each for each import or uh non-import right column there but uh yeah i i think they have it right on well i i asked the question and i appreciate your honesty and i appreciate your answer but i have to admit a couple years ago i was very disappointed the way I feel and maybe chris doesn't agree with me and maybe you won't agree with me but i really feel a little bit embarrassed as an American and ties to America the way Johnny Manziel came up here and used the (laughs) CFL. I think the CFL is a damn good game. I appreciate the CFL game. I like how much offense there is involved with the CFL game, but I thought it was disrespectful the way that Johnny Manziel came up here and used the CFL. And I'd still like to know to this day, two years later, what he did to get permanently banned from the league. I'd like to know that someday. But this is, see, this is the problem that I have. And maybe I've been in Canada too long, but I do respect the game, as I've mentioned. And I just didn't like the way Johnny Manziel leveraged the CFL into A, getting an opportunity, and then B, because he wasn't playing, he... You know, they suckered Cavis Reed into two number ones and two starters. I mean, the, the Hamilton general manager did a hell of a job ruining the Montreal franchise to get a guy that lasted, what, six weeks? And it's that kind of crap that I don't appreciate. And it gives Americans a bad name. We're not all bad. We're not all morons. We're not all Johnny Manziels. But I just thought that that was disrespectful the way Manziel leveraged his celebrity, to try to find an opportunity and then to piss it away like he did, I have great problems with that. And I'd like your comment, if you wouldn't mind, on that. Well, first off, I couldn't agree more with you, right? Definitely share the same opinion. However, that being said, CFL knew exactly what they were taking in when the interest grew for Johnny Menzel coming into the CFL. Based off his track record and the history of him dating back to college and the NFL, and that spiraling out of control completely, they knew that there's a you know a pretty good chance at that point him coming to the CFL that you know those issues could come to fruition again at yep. some point, right? And again, 
They gave him an opportunity to showcase himself. And they, they, everyone knew that John Zellway was using this people as a crutch to get back in the NFL, whether that was only going to be a one-year stint, two, three years, I don't know. But at some point, he was going to take another shot at the NFL. I didn't think it would be that soon, right? Because, again, it's like you said. First of all, it's just some of the transactions that Avis Reed had to make in order to get Johnny Manziel. Okay? You just saw two first-round picks. Back-to-back years. Right. Jamal Westerman, a starting national DM, which are rare to come by, by the way. Yep. Actually, have a player of his caliber. And Chris Williams. One Absolutely. One of the most prolific receivers that I've had the honor to play with in Ottawa that I've been able to witness in my tenure in the CFL. So when you're giving up, first of all, two number one picks and players of that caliber, this guy has to, he has to land. He has to be a hit. But anyway, you, you cannot mess that one up. He Absolutely. has to be the QB of the franchise at very minimum four or five years. Yeah. Only showcase enough for him to be worthy of a, of a trade like that. Right? And again, too short of a, of a sample size. The guy played, what, five or six games? And it's not like he, he was outstanding. Like, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't great either. I thought for sure going into the next season, which he, he would have had a nice deal. He was going to make, what was it, close to almost 400K Canadian? Yep. He was going to have an opportunity to get off to a fresh start, go into the season as the number one QB based on what he's shown the year before. And he decides he's going to take, take a trip down to the AAF. Well, and look how that turned out. I, I personally I personally don't believe that Z- Johnny Manziel pra- played uh, showed proper respect to the CFL game. I think he thought because he came from Texas A and M and he was a Hasman Trophy winner that he was going to come up here and dominate like Doug Flutie did. And there's a little bit of difference. Doug Flutie respected the game, understood its unique rules, and flourished. Whereas this pinhead did none of those, and he's gone after six weeks. That's my problem with it, and I think it probably pigeonholed the Montreal franchise. Not that I'm a big fan of the Alouettes, but again, and I say this all the time, especially in the in the U.S., not comparing the two, but when you have your marquee franchise in your bigger markets, it's always better for that sports league to have teams that are good from your bigger markets. And I think for the CFL to thrive – you need to have a good team in Montreal. Well, and that, that being said, too, I think in Montreal's case, they desperately needed a big game to, to take the reins over something on that team because they haven't had a real big game at the QB position since Anthony Calvillo. Correct. Of course. Absolutely. Right? Of course. Right? So from their standpoint, I get it a little bit, but from what you had to give up and sacrifice to get him, it just simply wasn't worth it. And honestly, I, I was surprised then that Cavis Reed wasn't more on, you know, under turmoil and, and on the hot seat for, for that transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how he made it past that one, but I get it. I understand you want him. And I know that at the time when Mike Sherman was the head coach, that they had a history at I, I, A&M. So I completely understand that. I just think you probably could have gave up a bit more or less than when you got him. And Hamilton's laughing at that. Yeah, well, that was the worst trade in CFL history, frankly, and it probably didn't help Johnny Menzel's attitude that he comes up there and his coach, June Jones, is saying, telling everyone in the media that, oh, this is going to be the greatest player in CFL history, and the guy hasn't even played a game yet. That was ridiculous. Uh, any, any, uh, any, any whispers going around about why he got banned for life? Because there doesn't seem to be any info. There are no whispers or anything about that, Zach? I, so, I honestly, I don't have a clue of what happened there. Okay. I okay. have no idea. 
Okay, no problem. Zach, I've I've really enjoyed this time with you. I've got one last question to ask you, and I, I just wanted to say I've I've appreciated your honest and openness and your candor, and, and I truly appreciate that. But as I wrap this up with you, Chris and I, I just have to ask the question, if if uh, Jerry Jones or somebody doesn't come calling for the skills of Zach Medeiros here in this offseason starting February 14th, Valentine's Day, what is Zach Medeiros looking to do potentially post-football? Post-football? Um, well, what I've been doing right now, I've been trying to build up a resume for the sports media world. That's what I've been trying to get into. Uh, I've been trying to, I guess, putting it in the lamest terms, I've been trying to be a co-host or a host of, of a sports radio show, so I've been currently in the works for that. I also run my kind of my own private taking academy for an aspiring specialist at the pretty much all ages, but normally I work with guys at the high school level, takers and punters in my in my area from the London to GTA area. Yeah, other than that, again, I, I I'm looking for a first spot in the CFL, right? So I'm hoping by by the time May comes around that I'll, I'll be in training camp with uh, someone. Let me ask you real quick. My father was a coach. You've been a professional athlete. Would you ever, now I know you just talked about your kicking academy and that obviously that's teaching slash coaching, but let's say uh, uh, Paul Dela, whatever his name is. Paul DePodesta. De yeah, there you go. The new coach in Ottawa. At least I knew he was a new coach. I knew he was the oh, old. Sorry, I thought you meant the Cleveland guys. No, 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 no. Uh, Paul La Police. Oh, La Police. That's it. Paul. Oh, Saskatchewan people remember him very well. Yes, yeah. absolutely. The old Winnipeg offensive coordinator is now the new head man in Ottawa. If he was to call Zach Medeiros and ask him to be on his staff, is that something that you would look at in the future as a potential opportunity, beginning into coaching? In a heartbeat, absolutely, I would. Well, you heard it here first. We thank uh, very much. We thank uh, Zach Medeiros for joining us here on this edition of uh, of uh, what's the name of this program again? <laughs> Unscripted with Mike. And, it's only been four hundred and forty some episodes. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was gonna say it was funny, and Zach's still on the line. But I, I just want to say I was almost gonna say Sports Overnight America with Mike Jansen again, but that was only twenty five years ago. So that probably is an apropos. But <laughs> if you are just joining us, that was the voice of our special guest, free agent CFL kicker Zach Maderos. We appreciate his time. We appreciate his answers. And I wish him nothing but the best moving forward in all his future endeavors, whether it's with a team or whether it's coaching a team or whatever it is. It was a pleasure to have Zach on the show. And we look forward to hearing about what he's going to be doing next season at some venue near you. And again, we thank Zach for being on this episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Unscripted. And again, we thank uh, Zach Medeiros joining Chris and I here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. I truly enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And actually, I learned something, and I hope that you did too. I think this young man has a great future in front of him, and I wish him nothing but the best moving forward. Good luck, Zach. Um, we've got a run on this 447th episode of Unscripted. Again, we thank Zach Medeiros for joining us and hope again that you uh, continue to uh, join us here on Unscripted. Uh, we truly, truly appreciate it and hope that you certainly continue to do so. Having said that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time. Unscripted. Premium. Perfect. Thanks, Zach. Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. No. Appreciate the honesty and the answers too. I can. You can always tell with athletes when they're being uh, candid and when they're not. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Let me give you a bit of advice, if I may. 
having been a national radio talk show host 25 years ago in 350 affiliated markets and around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, take any opportunity that you can get, Zach. Never, never think about, well, I'm Zach and I kicked in the Grey Cup and I have won a Grey Cup and I've got a ring. I remember that I have colored, covered curling matches. I have covered golf tournaments. I have covered bowling events way back when, when I was starting. So if that's the way your career takes you to the next level, when anybody rings your phone and you answer it and they're offering you something, as ridiculous as you think it may be, there's always somebody out there listening. There's always somebody that is a fan of watching paint dry at a curling match. Or there's always somebody that there is a fan of watching paint dry at a, I don't know, at a seniors golf event. But my suggestion to you as you've got the pipes for it, you've got the knowledge for it. I think obviously you've got some connections for it. But when anybody rings your phone and is giving you an opportunity, just say yes. Because the more people and the more ways that people can hear your voice and hear your knowledge and hear your opinions, the better for you. Don't get stuck on because I've won a great cup and all this other stuff. And I didn't, I didn't even do that. I don't even have a great cup. I don't even have, you know, that kind of championship experience. You've got to step up on me. And uh, so that's my suggestion. I think, again, you've got the chops for it. You've got the resume for it. It's not rocket science. It's opinion. If I can do it, you can do it. But that would be my two cents for you. Okay. No, I absolutely will uh, do that. And it's funny you say that because obviously my realm, I like to say in between NHL, football, obviously, and then soccer, right? So, but I understand that just like you said, you know, even there's gigs out there for, you know, it might be golf, it might be baseball, it might be, be cricket for Christ's sake, right? Mm-hmm. It's something like that. But you're right. No, it's just whatever gets your voice out there, whatever gets you the reps and experience absolutely i i once covered a high lie event in miami florida and i still to this day don't even know how to spell high lie but it was an open bar and it was fun and there were bikini chicks everywhere so i mean how can you lose you never go wrong with that thanks zach (laughs) thanks zach appreciate the time we'll do it again sometime thanks a lot absolutely all right take care yeah bye